A year later in June 1926, Winnie Parkin is working with her father among the dry soil and thirsty vegetables of his allotment on the edge of the village. It is her half-day and she has come to help him and keep him company. He is always calmer out here, when he's well enough to come, moving in his own time, his sick back slowly rising and falling and rising again among the canes and the plant tops. Alone with him here, Winnie feels safe. She fetches water for him and pulls up knotgrass and nettles. She learns to plant out beetroot, beans and leeks, and she keeps tidy the tiny dilapidated cabin he has assembled from old doors and salvaged planks. When they stand to rest and sip water from Walter's pit bottle, she talks to him about his childhood on the farms and about Shirebrook and the miners whose struggle has come to seem to her as permanent a part of life as the weather. This June, though, Walter is locked out with the rest of the British miners following the coal owners' reduction of their wages. The dispute had been building for years. The coal markets were down, and the mine owners wished to retain their profits. The miners, however, were already on such reduced wages that they felt they might as well try to force the owners to back down. The government tried to head off the conflict in 1925 by commissioning another report and paying a nine-month subsidy to make up the wages. Throughout the months leading up to the report's publication, and the end of the subsidy, Arthur A.J. Cook, the miners' leader, had toured the coal fields with his rallying cry, Not a penny off the pay, not a minute on the day. The local newspapers carried weekly reports about the situation, and the miners' newspapers were full of stories about the dispute. In the chapels, the preachers delivered solemn sermons, likening the miners to the children of Israel in bondage, and the coal owners to the Babylonians and Egyptians. The subsidy ran out at the end of April, and the miners, refusing to accept pay cuts and longer hours, found themselves locked out by the owners. On May Day, the chief executives of all the TUC unions voted to strike in support of the miners and to defend their own wages, starting at midnight on the 3rd. The general strike lasted nine days, but by June, the miners had been left out on their own. From the allotment, Winnie and Walter watch men searching Hickleton Colliery's spoil heap for discarded coal, while Walter tells Winnie stories about the lockout. The hero is always Arthur Cook. The villains, Winston Churchill and Churchill's supposed friend, Nancy Astor. Churchill is Chancellor of the Exchequer in the Conservative government and keen to confront the miners. They have disliked him since 1910 when, as Home Secretary, he sent in troops to reinforce the police when miners went on strike in the Ronda. There had been trouble and miners hurt, and the two sides had blamed each other ever since. You know what he said to Arthur Cook, Winnie, says Walter, when Arthur said... We'll let grass grow on those pulley wheels before we submit to tyranny, he said, and I'll make you eat it. Eat grass. Winnie looks at the grass and weeds around her and wonders what it would be like to eat and how you would cook it. If the strike goes on, 
Is this what they'll have for dinner? He reckons he'll drive miners down their holes like rats. I'd give him rats. Like his fancy piece Lady Astor. Her that called miners the worms of the earth, says Winnie. That's what she said, ain't it? The worms of the earth toiling underground. Winnie shakes her head and trembles. The anger felt on her family's behalf more potent than any she would feel on her own.